It's Dr. Stu's podcast. This is Dr. Stu with Kimberly Durden. This is podcast number 106. Uh, if you like, like us, you can find us on iTunes or Facebook at drstuespodcast.com. You can email us at askdrstu at gmail.com. You can like us on Twitter. You can like us on everything you want to like us on. <laughs> you cannot like us on stuff. There's too much stuff going on. I think the first thing I'm going to do, Kimberly, when I, uh, when I can is I'm going to take my phone and I'm going to drop it in some body of water oh. <laughs> and never look back. Why are you going to do that? Because you don't want because people... Because it's always going. There's always something going on. There's always... You, you, you don't have any peace anymore. There's I just, agree. There's no peace. I agree. I agree. And, and the last... I mean, so much has gone on since we saw each other last. Yeah. We, well, yeah. I mean, oh my <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah. And we have a new administration. But but even be, beyond... Be, beyond that. Beyond that. I, I was like, don't even... I don't even want to come in here and talk about that. Yeah. No, no. Because it's... We're not Whatever. Gonna, we're not going to talk about that. But I'm just saying. Because one of us is not happy. <laughs> it's you, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But we'll I'm see just how it pans out. I was home for Thanksgiving. Uh, I got to see my dad. Uh, we You're not going to talk about it right now. Went to Minneapolis. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how even at Thanksgiving, all the young people uh, were sitting around and everybody's on their device. Yes, so true. Everybody's on their device. Instagramming, right. reading other people's Instagrams, right? Uh, Snapchatting, whatever they, whatever they, they're, the latest. They're like on is. their device, watching other people on their de- like having Living their Thanksgiving their lives. on, right. right? Yeah, yeah, it's really hard, and and I noticed that even when we go out to restaurants, like um, uh, we had a brunch um, for my daughter's twentieth birthday, and we were out, and like half the time. Uh, you know, um, my my daughter's mom, my daughter, my <laughs> my daughter's boyfriend. I mean, we're all so like, everybody. We even checking. you too. Well, well all you our, too. All our phones are laying yeah. on the table. Yeah, it's true. So you know, when you go out to eat, you're uh, you know, yeah. you, if you go out with people, especially in the birthing world, yeah, the phone is always yeah, it's so true. Laying on the table. When I go to my therapy appointment, <laughs> I have my phone right next to me, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I have to. You know, and sometimes I, when I'm driving my car, I, I I'm try I, I I've sort of made a thing not to text anymore. I break it now and then, <laughs> yeah. but I still make a thing not to text anymore. By the time I get home, yeah, you know, I've yeah. got five, six, eight totally. people I have to respond to. It's true, it's true. I'm not on call right now, and my family is um, because we also have families, and and sometimes you have to keep it on for that reason too. So, uh, and I'm not on call right now, so I actually just turned it off so we could do the podcast. That's rare. But yeah. this well, is like, it, it feels turned, like a luxury. You didn't no, turn it off. I you, did, because I didn't know if I really turned it down, because I never oh, turned, turned it down. you turned it actually off? I actually turned it off. See, but it's interesting, because you're looking at your phone right now to but, make sure that it's off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to turn it upside down and not look at it. But that's like r- rare and a luxury. You know, and, then, I, then I have some updates from things that I don't even know how to get rid of, like from ESPN or NHL.com or whatever. These things are just constantly yeah. flashing on yeah. my phone. Who's it's injured? Who, the scores of games. And and it's, inst- yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just an endless flow. It's like, it's like I'm on TV and underneath me is this, this little streamer that's streaming constantly the yes. stock market or the, yep. the latest news and stuff, and right. it never stops. I mean, even right. when you watch TV now and you, you watch sporting TV or, yep. or news TV, they 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 can't you can't just watch TV. They've got to have the little thing yeah. going on. And they have other it. like flashing everything. I know, but I don't really watch TV that much. Yeah, or they have for like a, reason. They'll even have like in the little corner of something. They'll have a little commercial where the a guy will run onto the screen right. and shoot somebody, and they'll say <laughs> tonight at nine is uh, this you know blue bloods or something. And, exactly. And yeah, exactly. you know watch the show. So there, there's constant constant sponsored content or advertising 
uh, being bombarded with along with everything else. So when I come here to the podcast, I sort of, this is the time for me to vent because exactly. I have nobody else to, to, I know. <laughs> to, to really vent to because, you know, I, oh everybody's, everybody's venting to me and I'm supposed yeah. to be the, the bulwark, we, as you know, when we are in our, in our business, yeah. we listen to everybody, everybody all week long. You listen, let me tell you something. I was thinking about this um, in between our last podcast and, and I was thinking about the concept you know, just the idea of this podcast. And for us, it's almost like a personal venting session that we do for the public or that we publicize in a way because we're, you know, and I I just mentioned to you before we started um, taping that I won't even like text you to vent or call you to vent in between. I'm just like, I'll just save it up and we can just talk about it with the mics and stuff. And then we can all, and then we can, you know, and I think that's part of the appeal for those of us, for those folks who do listen to this podcast is in, in some ways that they're actually joining in in the venting session. And I love how people are writing letters and, and, you know, get, you know, it's, it's interactive and there's a lot to vent about and there's a lot of opinions and, and yeah. we also have to make room for that, but it's not easy. Yeah. I have to laugh because th- during the, the, the 30 seconds that you just spoke, I got three texts. Okay. Are there, one, are they- one is from a client, which I'll deal with afterwards. One is from our our, our producer, um, Renee. She says, "Are you doing a podcast?" Question mark. Please mention empowered birth in the first podcast you're doing. Okay, so I'm going to be on uh, sub. Uh, uh, you will you'll find it on my Facebook page and other things that I'm going to be uh, doing a interview on uh, empowered birth uh, program that's coming up. Oh, okay, cool. Who and, is that? And uh, we'll put a link to it on the podcast. So Who there, Renee, I've, I've mentioned it. Who is Empowered Birth? Uh, you're asking me at the wrong Dude, time. <laughs> you're going to be on there. <laughs> the Empowered Birth people are going to be really pissed at me right now. No, they, they, uh, they, Still a they put out. together a, a, a seminar or a lecture of a bunch of people, and you can go online and listen oh, to it. Oh, it's an online one. Yeah. Oh, is it Gina Kirby's thing? No, no, no. No. Okay, somebody no, else. Speaking of... of, of uh, Southwestern United States, though I am wearing a Brian Salmon T-shirt today, right. so I want to shout out to my friend, the uh, birth guy. Uh, Brian is my friend too now. He's wearing, my new friend. I'm wearing friend. my Rock and Dad's T-shirt. Thank you, Brian. The other one Hi, was Brian. the other one was breaking news that Tiger Woods cards his lowest round in three years with a bogey-free seven under par sixty-five. First of all, so that's your that choice a, to get that. <laughs> I don't know how to get rid of it. Well, you need to ask your kids. I you got it. Ask your kids, I, I, yeah. dude. Well, my five-year-old could do it. Well, I need to get a new phone anyway, so I figure if I get a new phone, it will it will clear it off. Yeah. Well. All right. Yeah. No, nonetheless. Um, but I do want to say something to you also, and I want to ask you something because say something nice because I can't take any stress. Right I'm now. not going to say anything <laughs> mean. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you still on call? Dumb question. Because the last time I talked to you, you were waiting for six babies, and that oh, was those, like during those, Thanksgiving. Those are, are all gone. They're all other born? than one. They're all born. Yes. So you have one you're waiting on. Yes. Okay, cool. But since that time, I've added in <laughs> three three new people, so I have, I have that, that adds to the str- right. that adds to the feeling of overwhelm when you're getting all these texts and calls and the television stuff and the everything, and then you're on call. So in some ways, you can't turn it off, but you really do need to get your kids. No, but what's really interesting and some good news coming down the right is that I have a a, a colleague of mine from Sacramento. Um, Anna Marie Adams is her name. She's an OBGYN up there, and she does home birthing in Sacramento. Nice. And she does uh, singletons, V-backs, and she says she does two, and she doesn't do breaches, but she's going to come down here next month. Rock well, on. this month now. The, the pod, we're in December now. So this month um, to spend a couple little time with me, and then she's going to come down all of January and spend the entire month down here to shadow me and come to the office with me. And stuff like that. Um, I asked her if, if she could move down here, and she says not yet. She's got family obligations up in Sacramento. Other thing that's happening... That's we've, exciting. We've, we've had a couple other doctors 
locally, I won't mention their names right now because I don't know how much publicity they want, who have been willing uh, and supportive of possibly coming to a home birth or backing me <gasps> or another midwife what? when I'm not available for a breach or twin birth. So that's exciting. There's a, crack, there's a crack in the wall. How did that, what was the impetus for that? For that? Did it have anything to do with the uh, grand rounds that you did at California Hospital? Can I? Um, you know, yes, probably a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could speak about that. Uh, I did grand rounds in, in November at uh, California Hospital on breach delivery with my good friend uh, Milo Chavira. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the chairman of the department there is, is another friend of mine, who a colleague who I trained with. Uh, Tony Pickett, mm-hmm. and they are starting to try develop a uh, breach program there. There's, they're, they're, it's fledgling right now. They're getting it off the ground. But in the last couple of weeks, we've been able to transport people there who have had vag- we've had two or three vaginal breach deliveries at California Hospital that I know of. I'm sure there might be others too, but these are people that were either in labor when I wasn't when I was out of town or. Uh, you know, couldn't afford my services, so they went to California Hospital, serious? and they got vaginal delivery. That there. is fantastic. Yeah. Well, so di- who delivered them? Uh, well, I I know that Doctor Pickett did one when That's I was fantastic. in when I was in uh, Minnesota. He he did one. Uh, Doctor Chavira admitted them, and then they changed shift, and Doctor Pickett. Did so they it, have so, the knowledge to do it, right? And I think that Doctor Chavira just uh, helped our friend Beth Cannon with one. That is fantastic. Um, I don't know. I mean, actually, no, it wasn't Beth. It was Bliss. It was uh, Bliss's client. That is fantastic. And uh, uh, Bliss was uh, doing a favor, and Emilio was helping her out. And uh, there were some D cells early on, and Emilio took her to the hospital. And appear- apparently, the, he was patient enough that she was able to get a vaginal birth out of the deal. That is amazing. Which is probably, he's the only physician probably, or one of the only physicians in California or anywhere else that would be willing to watch somebody with a D cell who's got a breach. Who's a, who's got a breach. That is amazing. And so uh, the grand rounds, can you talk a little bit about that? Is now a good time to talk about it? Well, just briefly, I mean, we went through... Uh, I just want people to know, to me, it feels very historic. You know, I mean, I'm not trying it to... It was a good turnout, too. We had probably 40 or... Overblow over, situation, Over 40 but people, some people from the community, some of the staff and faculty that were there, some of the residents that mm-hmm. were there, um, some pregnant women that were were there um and we just basically for the first half we showed the um the documentary that yeah uh, 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 excerpts from the documentary and the second half hour we only had one hour and the second half hour i did a little um uh, powerpoint presentation about techniques for breech birth i specifically showed some video of an all fours breech birth and on your back breech birth i showed some slides that i had gotten from the Amsterdam Breach Conference mm-hmm. on what to do when babies are turned the wrong way and in trouble and which babies need help and which mm-hmm. babies need. So again, we're, we're expanding the knowledge that, that maybe this is a, a, a reasonable option mm-hmm. and that we want to bring back the training, which is the desire of all of those of us who, who are still breach practitioners. Dr. Wu even came. And, I saw the picture up. with Dr. Wu in there, yep. and I was like, that's fantastic. Yep, and Dr. Leila Almiriati, the former chairman, um, yes. she's all pro for this, too. So, yes. so they're, they've, got, they've got a gung-ho. They've got to, they got to talk the administration into, uh, into some things. Right. But I, again, I'm, not, I'm on the outside looking in. Right. I can't really speak to it. I can just say that it was a, it was a huge sort of group hug. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. And I think it, like it's important because I remember some years back um there was a doctor at a particular institution, a birthing institution, I'm not going to say the name actually, um in LA that asked um you and some other uh, of us to speak about home birth to their 
mainstream hospital staff, and he could not get anybody to buy on to having the grand rounds on that topic. And, and the way that they this institution looked at home birth was very um, distorted. And, you know, home birth is happening everywhere in L.A., everywhere. And uh, their view of it, those within that particular institution, was that it was like for hippies or you know just for hippies or something like that. And so this doctor who was really open minded and and was thinking like, hey, this would be great, come and talk about home birth. And he could not get anyone to agree to having that grand round. So the fact that you know you're coming from the outside, going into California hospital, but the fact that those type of you know a space in a way was made for that to happen. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and every time there's a step forward, there's there's often a step or two backwards as well. I mean, we just recently had Dr. Wu, uh, right. the banning of breach delivery at Glendale Hospital. And I have to tell you that I, I, I briefly mentioned before the show about I had an, I had yeah. a, a, an awful experience, and I want to yeah. go through that with you because really what I'd like to talk about mostly today is, is the idea of collaboration and how we, you know, what California is doing is collaborating with those of us on the outside, those of us who want to do home birth, those of us who want to do breach delivery, they're collaborating with midwives. Good Samaritan is very supportive of midwives. Mm -hmm. Cedars is turning the corner and being much more supportive. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, other hospitals are, are still living in the dark ages. And, right. and whether you're in uh, Kodiak, Alaska, <laughs> uh, as we got an email from um, Elke, mm -hmm. who basically she's a says midwife. she's, a, she's midwife. a midwife yeah. and she's the only person on the island that provides VBACs. Um, I actually went during my uh, medical school, spent a six weeks up in Bethel, Alaska, uh, working with the native health service there and realized that the way they deal with, OB, I wasn't doing OB there. I was just doing regular general rotation, but, mm -hmm. but the, the way they deal with the native natives there is they fly them all to Anchorage and they, right. they put them in a dorm away yeah. from their families for, for a month or so. But here on Kodiak, she says that she's the only practitioner there that, uh, supports VBAC. And she's feeling really, really isolated, and she wants to know if there's anything that can be mm -hmm. done about it. And you know, they, the the truth is, is in little little I, I, um, enclaves like that that are isolated, um, it's very hard to change things because there is no competition, uh, and you and you have very little support, and they and they can uh, uh, bully you. Uh, I know this from first right. and, and also she's writing herself. It doesn't. I don't even know if she has. Maybe she's a lone midwife too. And she's probably incredibly busy, but then she's got to fight and feel and, and, and try to figure out how to feel supported. Well, she's wondering, how did you get these people to be more uh, pro VBAC? And the question is, if, if they don't already know the literature out there, if they don't already know about right. uh, Jen Campbell's site, VBAC Facts, if they don't know what right. ACOG says about VBAC or what the NIH says about VBAC. Right. And the, you're talking you, about the OBs that are in the hospital that she would, let's say, transport to or the only other available option. She's saying in her letter that they absolutely do not support VBAC. So basically, you know, every woman there is going to get a sec another section, even if it's not necessary. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I feel for you, Elke. I don't really think there's an answer to get how you get these people to do it, other than maybe getting some, uh, again, you probably have no power there, but if you could get some VBAC-friendly person to come and give a lecture there or or um, even a, you know, a seminar, an online seminar, there's right. plenty of, but these, most doctors I know of in these communities, they're not interested in changing anything. It's exactly. just, it's, they, they get away with whatever they want because there's nobody right. that comes. There's no other, there's, what, nobody, there's no other option. Yeah. There's well, no there's nobody that's coming uh, over, over them that looks over them and right. says, you can't do this or right. you, because they run their own show. Right. That's how it works in small towns. Right. It also, that's how it works sometimes in big towns. And I had an experience a couple months ago that I, that I wanted to bring up on the podcast. Um, and I think right now is a good time because it's about collaboration and, 
And it gave me an unbelievable empathy for what my midwife colleagues have been going through for years because I had to transfer somebody to uh, a hospital in Orange County and I first called one hospital and they suggested I take her to UC Irvine and I said, fine, I'll take her to UC Irvine. And I took her to UC Irvine and it was a difficult uh, situation. Uh, it was an appropriate transport. She, there were, I'll get into the, her story in just a minute. But I was greeted by the, greeted is the wrong word, because, okay. it, because it would be the opposite of being greeted. I was treated so rudely, so adolescently. I mean, I, I mean that's an insult to adolescence, the mm. way I was treated by this man. Um, and I'd like to just mention his name, because I think it deserves to be mentioned. Good. Um, I have tried to, um, through intermediaries, get an appointment with the chairman of the department, I'm still working on that. I don't intend to drop that because mm -hmm. I would like to discuss the way I was treated. Mm -hmm. But he had, all he wanted to do was chastise me. All he wanted to do was, was yell at me for what I, what, is, what I was doing. And I was trying to give report on this client. And all he could do was belittle me. Mm. And I mean, quite frankly, Dr. Uh, Vucinich, um, you were the rudest um, Oh God, I, I'm running out of adjectives. You're running out of words that yeah, that, that, you, that you, can you, describe. You, you were person. you were a child. You were a child in a man's body, and you were so unprofessional. And what's made you even more unprofessional is that you tried you chastised me. You weren't interested in what I had to say about this woman, and you did it in front of a fourth year medical student. Mm. And um, if this is the impression that you give, mm -hmm. your your pompous nature. Um, be more than happy. I even offered to have a beer with you at some time. You turned your back on me and you walked out of the room in the middle of our conversation mm. and you closed the door on me mm. as you walked out. Mm. Mm. All right. I'm sure you remember it. I don't know that you ever listened to one of my podcasts. I'm open for you to, to call, but it was, you were unbelievably rude. All right. It was a very difficult situation and you have no empathy. Mm. All right. Anyway, so the story is this. This is a woman with twins who went way overdue. Uh, she had all kinds of other issues, which I, I don't want to say too much because okay. I don't want to identify sure. or, or, or violate anything. But there were many reasons why a week or two before that things were piling up that made it seem like she should have transferred into a hospital care. Mm -hmm. But she didn't want that. She really did not want that. And I went through the informed consent model that is so eloquently defined by mm -hmm. our friend Hermine Hayes-Klein mm -hmm. um, in that I gave her the information on each and every issue, and she would look me in the eye and she would say, is there anything right now that is emergency that means I have to go to the hospital? And I would look at her and I would go, no, no. all right? But all these things adding up, there, you, there's risks right. that are developing here that make me uncomfortable. Right. Well, I'm not ready to go. And I said, well, then I will honor that, okay? okay. And that's my, you know, I will support you. Yes. What Dr. Vucinich wanted me to do, he said, how could you even take care of this lady? You should have just, you should never have taken care of her in the first place. So basically what he was telling me to do was abandon the client. And you cannot do that. All right. And so it's not ethical to do that. And, but it's done all the time in that model. But it reached a point where finally there was something that would happen when she was in early labor that was enough to say that, yes, now there is a problem that if we don't deal with it, it could become an emergency and then she was willing to go, but she wanted to wait. But by the time I got there, there was all these issues. And when I'm trying to give a report, I can see the eyes rolling sure. and then like, how did this even get, how did you let sure. this get here? And, you know, and so I understand sometimes that we as home birth people, first of all, we have to deal with people who are negative about home birth, no matter what. But also we provide a different model of informed consent and support to our clients 
that a lot of people at hospitals are worth uh, are used to. Right. And therefore, they don't understand when we bring somebody in, they see it they only see it as a train wreck. Exactly. Well, that's a different paradigm that we're going into. They're not we're, we're operating out of two different paradigms, so absolutely. Yeah. So it was a very very difficult situation and the way I was treated and not only that, but then they have a policy at UC Irvine where if a woman is in triage, that the husband can be with her, but nobody else can be in there. Mm. And so when the husband was doing some admitting stuff or whatever, she was contracting every three minutes by herself, alone. They would not allow me or her doula, specifically mm. her doula. I can see why they didn't need me in there. But they would not allow her doula to be in there. They have these policies that right. are archaic, and yet they're the standard of care, yet he's looking down on me. Right. He, You know what? I don't know how much obstetric training he has. I don't know whether he's got an interest in menopause. That's what it says under his bio. Um, and he's interested in women over 40 who are pregnant. But when it comes to skills as far as breaches, twins, breach extractions, forceps, maybe he's skilled, maybe he's not. But I don't know that he, he, he didn't even care to know anything about any of this stuff. All he cared about was that I was sort of ruining his day is what I You were I, an alien coming from a different planet when you walked in there with that client. Well, I was negligent. I, you know, I look at it as, yeah, I was uncomfortable and you could sense that I was uncomfortable, but I was honoring this woman's right, right well, to choose. <laughs> well, like I said, two totally don't have different that. paradigms. Right. You know, so that doesn't that system doesn't operate like yeah, that. Yeah, the idea that a woman has to be laboring in, in triage uh, by and, and no one can go in to support her. Yeah. Because that's the policy. Well, exactly. Who makes the policy and why is that a policy? Why don't you guys just get off your asses and change it policy? Well, you know, well, I'm sorry that, that you had that experience and you're right that, you know, yes, midwives face that um, routinely. And, oh, I know. And, I've heard the story a million times, but to be to be too too experienced. To it. It. But they also the other thing that I think of as uh, on as a uh, uh, client advocate and patient advocate is what what his what was his treatment even to the patient. Let's remember that. Well, they call them patients. We call them clients. That particular client um, is still going to be in, you know affected, can be affected, and will be affected by the attitudes of that particular doctor, the staff, et cetera. I mean, they also have to deal with something. You felt you were made to feel a certain way. Um, but I, I think about that, that, that woman in that, and put in that position and it makes it so difficult. Um, you know, when people have to transport in, there is, there are protocols that are developed, um, by, uh, the home birth summit. You know, they meet every couple of years to talk about, look, we need to come up with a, a, a terms that home birth folks and, hospital folks can agree upon to make healthy, safe, you know, informed consent laden transports where, you know, respect is given to both parties and it's going to serve everyone. We have a lot to learn from everyone. And that's really specifically what's wrong. One of the things that's wrong with our system right now, we collaboration is, it's like a, it's looked upon from the established and the mainstream and the institutions as, um, you know, it's an anathema to the institution, like where they do not see that as anything that's going to benefit them. Um, and yeah, well, the system the system is set up to benefit the system, and and in this particular this particular client was deathly afraid of going to the hospital. Right. All right. Exactly. She, I don't, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into details, but right. past experiences, other things, she was right. deathly afraid of going to the hospital. Right. Yet she needed to be in the hospital, right. and the treatment that she got—I can't say because I wasn't right. face to face with her. But I think it leaves a lot of people 
um, with a little with you know a whole lot of post traumatic stress. It does. Um, <laughs> and I think that there's better ways to do these things than that. Then what we what we're seeing right now is sort of a systematic approach rather than an individual approach. Exactly. And I and I understand that they're big institutions; they have to have policies. Right. That's how it goes. But that doesn't work well right. when you're talking about um, obstetrics. Right. You know, it may work well for ER ER procedures or right. or for open heart surgery or whatever. You know, so you can count the sponges sixty five times, that sort of thing. <laughs> but but for obstetrics. These are these are this is a whole different ball game. Yes, and and I've you know I came out of residency not realizing that it took it's been a metamorphosis over years, but the problem is the people in charge of these hospitals. You know we're getting you know the 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 difference the I don't even know how to say this the difference between what I experienced at Irvine and what's going on at California Hospital. Yeah, let's talk it's about just that. night and day. So right. why why can't they be learning? And you're talking yeah. about UC Irvine, which means teaching hospital which means this is how the future generation of OBs are being trained yeah and why which is so correct incredibly and, and to and to be this rude to be this rude in front of a fourth-year medical right. student so we just get to perpetuate and I have to say um, quickly I have a uh, my uh, good friend who's a doula just attended a client down there there in o OC behind the orange curtain like we like to say sometimes and her she was uh, she's a newer doula and she this birth happened a couple months ago and she came home shocked and traumatized by the obstetric violence she witnessed she didn't have a name for what she witnessed and I had to tell her I said well you just witnessed obstetric violence and she is I mean and and so what am I saying? It exists. And when we're talking about obstetric violence, you know, you're talking about it in a sense from another end, from the provider to provider. Um, and yeah, this, was this is obstetrician <laughs> violence. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that could be, be the good title. That'll be the title of this <laughs> podcast, maybe. But uh, what I'm saying is, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, 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 it seeps in everywhere. It's not just directed at the at the patient, as they like to say, or the client, as we like to say. It's the whole environment. It's everywhere, and that needs to change. Yep, and it, <laughs> and it, 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 I don't know whether it will or won't, but I think that again, if the consumers can choose, right? I think if you want to, if you're in Orange County and you need to transport, and it's not an emergency. You might want to consider driving to California Hospital. <laughs> I have taken yes, I have taken people from Orange County to California Hospital I or to Good that. Samaritan Hospital or before the breach ban all the way up to um, Glendale Adventists. Absolutely, that's uh, right. I mean, I think that's really important that you said, and I think that's the other thing that's happening when you talk about the, our friend from Alaska who who emailed you. I mean. That's all they have. I mean, this might be the only hospital that people have available. Well, they might Kodiak have, Island. They don't yeah, have any other they, choices. They and so they have like a monopoly on the childbirth market. I mean, if you can take people from a certain parts of Alaska and put them in dorms right before they're due, take them away from their family um, and, and to, to provide, so, to so-called provide care for them in, in labor and delivery. I mean, that doesn't even make sense that this is happening every day in Alaska. This is their reality. This is their paradigm. You know, what's the solution to that? Let's put more midwives back in their communities. Let's do those, these types of things. But, but you know, it's, it's unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and, and, and in her case, she says that some people leave the Island and they go do what I've, you know, what, what happens in my practice is right. I've recently had people from Portland and San Francisco and Denver uh, come and stay in Southern California so they can have twins exactly. the way that they want to have them because nobody's offering those things. 
this isn't Kodiak Island we're talking about here. We're talking about Denver, Colorado, and Portland, Oregon. That's right. Um, that they're having trouble finding these sorts of things. And I hope it will change. Again, I, we've talked about this many times. I don't see uh, how it's going to change in the current climate of residency teaching when they're not teaching these things. But it, you, you have to start someplace. And so the, the things that are going on with collaboration are really important. The other thing about, we got, I got another letter um, from a woman named um, Katie, and she's talking a little bit about the fact that she's got, you know, hypertension in her pregnancies, and she had a C-section with her first one, and then she's had a V-back, and she's pregnant with her third pregnancy, and she wants to know, um, her doctors want, because she has hypertension, the doctors want to do twice-weekly testing beginning on her baby beginning at 30 weeks. Right. And, and what does that look like, tw- testing? What does that mean? Well, it means a biophysical profile, which is coming to the office or, or to the hospital, wherever they do it in her, in her setting, and uh, doing an ultrasound to look at certain parameters about the baby. They look at the fluid around the baby. They look at mm-hmm. the baby's movements, the baby's position, and also whether the baby has what's called fetal breathing movement. Mm-hmm. And then they put the ba- uh, mom on a, the non-stress test machines the, where, mm-hmm. the, where, the, where the belts, um, right. and they listen to the baby for 20 minutes, half an hour. Right. And so it's, you know, and then they give it a score. Right. And what she's asking for is she, she was recently scanned and she had, the baby was growing perfectly the biophysical profile was perfect. Why did she need another one in three days? Right. And she's right. Yes. All right. And she wants to know if there's evidence-based medicine to support twice leaky testing from 30 weeks. And I would tell you that there's not. There's probably evidence-based medicine to begin testing in people wh- who show uh, sign- certain things, like if they show signs of uh, uh, growth restriction or oligohydramnios, if they have uterine artery notching, right. um, then there's maybe reason to begin testing and maybe 30 weeks is a little too soon, maybe 34, 35, 36 weeks. Um, but certainly these testing can be individualized. And unfortunately, right. Right. getting back to Kodiak Island or right. getting back to UC Irvine or whatever else, th- there's no room in those programs or these policies for individualization of also, care. Also, they're going to get a lot of money every time they do that biophysical profile. Come well, on. I wasn't going to go there, but of course of course, <laughs> that's the case, is that you can increase your revenue when you do that. And there's no there's no downside to over-testing from the side of point of view of the hospital or the physician. But they're not taking into consideration what she has to do to get into that office every three days. Is sit and, and they're not honoring her, her right. informed consent. She has the right to refuse. All right? So... Katie, you do have the right to refuse, all right? And if you want to compromise with them and say, okay, I'll do it once a week. Right. Um, if you find signs that things are changing, or maybe right. I'll do it every other week. Right. But if you find signs that the baby's growth is falling off its curve, or if the fluid is diminishing, or if something else is happening that makes you suspicious, then and you can justify it to me, then I'll come in more often. Right. But I don't see the reason to expose my baby to this <laughs> testing and, and expose my pocketbook to, or my insurance company to this this financial burden right. to do this in in the in, in her particular case where her blood pressure is well controlled and the baby's growth and everything is not to is mention she's normal. and when you think about it again she's a mother with two children already does she have a job does she have other you know she has a life and to get into an appointment twice a week you know all of that that entails that's Which, not even considered by the way you, you know the appointments always start on time right no, uh, not in an ob office <laughs> <laughs> you wait for a, a, quite a while and then they do their thing, and then and at, at how long does it take for a biophysical? That's like a half an hour. No, well, depends who's, minutes? depends who's doing it. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can do a biophysical profile in in like three or four minutes if That's if the baby's responsive. I mean, you're supposed to watch for fetal breathing for up to ten minutes, but but um, nobody ever really does that. Interesting. Because, yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and it depends who does it because if they have a tech doing it, then the tech has to then report to the physician who right. then has to come in and double check. Right. So it could it could be longer, but but yeah, you're talking about probably an hour out of your time between once you walk in the office to yeah. the time you walk out if everything runs smoothly. Right, and not to mention the stress of this. Now you're this high risk person. You're being treated extremely high risk. How's that even affecting her? Not considered. Not, not a, considered. Not a factor. I know. Not okay. a factor. Okay. Well, why the did fact I ask is, you this? the factor is basically uh, we're we're doing sort of what's maybe level C evidence, right. but it's also it benefits us to do it. Again, it's the it's the erring on the side of over testing because right. there's really no downside. Right. If you don't if you don't believe that there's any downside to ultrasound, then there's no downside to over te- to over testing. And we have all this great equipment. We we should definitely you know use it. I mean, it's not, <laughs> you, you want to use it. It's there. So anyway, so we're, we're coming to a close with this podcast. What do you want to do? What do you want to finish off with? I mean, I know you vented. Do you feel like you've, do you, you feel better? Get, you just got tangled up in your microphone I did. Do, you, do you feel better though? <laughs> I mean, did you get it off your chest? You know, oh, that, just that horrible experience. I'm really sorry that happened. Well, yeah, that, that, I mean, I'm rehashing it now that that happened a while ago, but, but, um, I wanted to make it you know, I wanted to put it out there because I want midwives to know the empathy that I have for the yeah. crap that they've had to deal with. I want uh, this this gentleman at UC Irvine to know that he could have behaved better, um, and that uh, and, you know I don't think there'll be any change in his behavior uh, based on anything. I do want to try to still meet with the chairman of the department. Mm-hmm. I, I just to even just I want to take the doula there. I want to discuss the policy, even the policy yeah. of the of being in triage with nobody to be able to sit with sure. you. What's the point of all that? I think that's fantastic. Is it a HIPAA thing? You then 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 find private rooms for these people. I I wouldn't I, I don't even know. I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. But you're right. What is what is or is it just a power and control thing? I think it's one of those things that where the, the long habit of doing it a certain way right. because that's the way it's always been done right. is the way we do things. Right. I mean, that gets me back. I was just telling a story to. Um, uh, a client the other day, we were just we were chatting. It was a new client, and we were talking about uh, somehow we got into the study of pedi- uh, subject of pediatrics. And I told them the story about you know um, we were talking about getting a pediatrician to come see the baby after the birth. Yeah. And they said, well, what if we don't really want that? And I said, well, you don't really need that. Mm-hmm. And we talked about well, why is it that at the hospital that's mandated that that pediatricians see babies, and why has that become such a problem? And because in the 60s and 70s and when I was growing up, uh, babies were born and they were put in the nursery and you've seen pictures of them all lined up in little plastic boxes. And the nurses took care of them and they wheeled them to their mothers and there were no pediatricians involved unless the nurses thought that there was a problem and then they would call a pediatrician. But in the 70s and 80s, the pediatric departments of hospitals realized that there was a huge amount of uncaptured revenue by by doing a newborn exam because in those days insurance companies were paying like $300 for a newborn exam. Got it. So pediatric departments across the country passed policies that said every newborn baby in the hospital has to be seen by a pediatrician right. within 24 hours. Right. So that's great because now they mandated that they could make all this money. But then managed care came in and got smart and said, well, now we're going to pay you about 30 bucks mm-hmm. for a newborn exam. So now doctors are stuck because the policies are still there and they don't, and the, the long habit of having a policy of seeing the baby now makes it very inconvenient because some people will, will come in and want to go home. They'll deliver their baby at four in the afternoon. They want to go home at 10 o'clock at night. But now they can't go home at 10 o'clock at night because, because the, the pediatrician, pediatrician hasn't seen the baby. Mm-hmm. Pediatrician isn't going to come out of bed for 30 bucks. Right. And if they take the baby 
against medical advice, two things might happen. One, the insurance company may not pay That's for right. that baby's care. And secondly, they may call Child Protective Services on you them for taking the baby against medical advice. Mm-hmm. So we have a policy that makes absolutely no sense that's, that's causing all this disruption. This is where somebody, a reformer, somebody needs to come in with some intelligence and basically say, listen, we can collaborate better. We can do better. Yes. Uh, we, can, we should reevaluate these policies that we have at our hospital, that everyone needs an IV or people can have ice chips and, right. oh, now you can have uh, fruit pops. <laughs> right. I mean, it's the craziness <laughs> that, that goes on and and uh so yeah i guess it's this has been a good venting for me okay good um it, it really wasn't what i wanted i wanted to vent about but we just you know how the podcast goes yeah but you you did want to vent about this be real you did want to vent about that and you did you need i sort of wanted to vent about being you know never being off yeah well yeah, you, that this sort is of part of it now this is this is going to help you because you had to get that out and get that out of your system so at I some did. point and then <laughs> you're going to have to create some time to be off yeah i'm working on that let's let's and, and and i think the good news is and we should end on this is that you have some people waiting in the wings to be trained up to do what you do you've been wanting to do that for a long time so that you can actually take yeah. advantage of being off so i know it looks like still it's a far off thing but it's happening. You've even had transports that were able to go into the hospital and still have vaginal breach births because you weren't yeah, able. You, know, you understand I mean, what I'm saying? And that is such a good thing. Par- part of me thinks about the fact that that I, I try to think about this guy at Irvine and I say, what makes him so grumpy? <laughs> okay, Why are you so grumpy? And the only reason you're grumpy is because you probably do not like what you're doing. Mm. All right? So if you want to, if he wants to come and approach me about coming and work with me and doing home birthing, I'll be more than happy to talk to Dr. Vucinich <laughs> about, about uh, um, making a, a happier existence. Now, was I happy that day? No, it was a stressful day for sure. me. But overall, I feel like I, when, I, when I see a family give birth at home and have the breech baby at home or the twin babies at home or just a regular home birth or water birth, the satisfaction level is so great. Yes. And, and we've maintained friendships with yes. these people, Absolutely. Uh, these families. And, and, and it's they not... They become part of our family. Yeah, we, we do. And, and, uh, and so, you know, and then we come, we come, it's a growing, and we, with the things like social media, which I don't really want to be involved with as much, but it does keep you all connected. And it so, there, you know, there are some benefits from it. And, and especially like we have, a, I have a, a website called, uh, I mean, a Facebook group called Birthing Instincts Families. Yes. And in that group... Um, when I need somebody, like recently I wanted an acupuncturist in the Pasadena area. Right. Or somebody that's good with tongue tie. Right. And so I just post in there and then all the moms come in and they all give their yeah. stories. And so it's great. And that's what collaboration should look like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. From all angles. Right. All right. So anyway, um, I think that's, this has been Podcast 106. Exhale. You can exhale now. Yeah, I'm exhaling. Uh, <laughs> again, uh, hopefully that uh, Katie and Elka... We yeah. uh, answered some of your questions. We try to get to all the emails. Either I write to them or we put them up on the podcast. One thing about Elkie, you should definitely contact Jen Camel at Feedback Facts and maybe Jen Camel and, and that, yeah. can, can give you can brainstorm with you and maybe get She some has some online courses too. Yeah. So right. she needs a champion in, in Kodiak to help her with this. All right. Once again, I mean, we, we rambled a little bit today, but thank you again for listening. This has been Dr. Stu's podcast number 106. Please write us at askdrstu at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook or at drstewspodcast.com or even on iTunes. Give us five stars. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>